how many of you need to be reminded that not only let me take this off that not only do we need to be touched but Jesus allows us to touch him brothers and sisters family of God we have a healer named Jesus we have a healing God are you glad we got a healing God we have a healing God for whatever you're going through today whatever it is psychological maybe it's a learning disability like me maybe it's maybe it's uh maybe it's a death in a family maybe it's cancer maybe someone got covid maybe uh maybe it's a sin you just keep struggling with Maybe it's a sin that you've repented a thousand times over. It, you've confessed it to your brothers and sisters, like James 5 says, but it still keep, keeps on burdening you. It, it still keeps on destroying you. You're in the right place this morning because we're going we're gonna to be reminded afresh of this healer that, sh- that Shauna and Tasha and the band and Chris... Uh, just so beautifully blessed us with this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you would, grab your Bibles and meet me in, uh, if you have a hardback, we're going to be in Mark, Mark chapter 5, and we're going to be in the last little section, verses 21 through 43. If you have a black hardback, it's in page 840. If you have a blue hardback, it's in page 999, and it... (laughs) And let me bring us home. If you have a softback, it's in page 545. 840 if you have a black hardback. 999 if you have a blue. And 545 if you have a softback. When you get there, say, I'm there, Pastor. Okay, okay. Well, come on up here and read it then. Jenny's like, stay on, stay on topic, <laughs> stay on topic. <laughs> I could chase a rabbit once in a while. Uh, prepare for the reading and preaching of God's word, starting in verse 21, Mark chapter 5. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well, made well, and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. <laughs> 
For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, verse 35, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God. Before considering it, let's go to him and ask for his blessing. Father, we are needy this morning for healing. Would you do that through this story? that you have helped me by your spirit to prepare a sermon for, but that is powerless if you do not move through the preaching and teaching of your word. God, would you do that right now in our hearts, even in my own heart afresh? God, nourish us with this gospel of healing the healing power of love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Well, I was on my way to the the church a few days ago. Well, backtrack, probably about a couple weeks ago. And as I was driving down the street, I noticed that there was a, a truck on the side of the street that for sure was stolen because it was up on on Jack's, all four wheels were gone, uh, you know, Detroit style, like uh, windows were busted out. And what I noticed, uh, thankfully, one of our neighbors, our good neighbors here on Harding, this was just about 30 yards from here, uh, got the VIN numbers and called it in. Uh, 
I had called it in the day before and got put on hold. Thankfully, Detroit PD, you know, made it out and uh, showed that they cared. And uh, anyways, I drove by this car numerous times on my way into the, to the church. And what I noticed is that each day it, it was more and more stripped down. You know how they do it. Uh, <laughs> to the point, right, to the point where I couldn't even tell the maker model anymore. Uh, I, I know it was, uh, I believe, a Chevy Avalanche, but that <laughs> mug looked like a Ford Escort by the time it was, you, it was, you were done with it, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, when I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, uh, let me not make light of car theft because that's somebody's vehicle, right? That's somebody's means of transportation, and we want to pray that God would rid our city of that injustice in every other city, right? But as I was thinking about this more, if I could have your permission, uh, I started seeing this word picture. I thought, you know, how like, you know, how much like human suffering it is to see a stripped down, hijacked uh, uh, vehicle on the side of the road that, that no one knows who owns it. It's complete, un, un, it, you can't even recognize it anymore. And as I was thinking about human suffering and the way that the wear and tear of the chronic issues in life and the pains and sorrows of life overtake us, hijack us, strip us, and leave us at times unrecognizable, right? Whether it be your marriage, whether it be a sickness in your family, whether it be a sin in your life, whether it be an addiction, whatever it is, uh, the wear and tear of life and God's, uh, I'll say it like this, beautiful but broken creation. Right? And what we need more than anything is the healing touch of God in our lives this morning. And there's good news this morning because the healing touch of God is exactly what we have in this story. In this story, you're about to be touched afresh by this truth. Here's the big idea. There is a great physician named Jesus who can heal you from your chronic issues and your pains and sorrows. And I want to just show you that in three motivating uh, I'll call them three motivating reasons why you can trust Jesus as your great physician. Not just the great physician, but what does it look like for you to know him as your great physician? Not your genie, not your magician, your great physician. Amen? So, I want to show you that with three motivating reasons. Here they're going to be. I'm just going to throw them out there and then we're going to dive in. Uh, this would be the flyover. You can trust Jesus as your great physician because, one, he welcomes people who have chronic issues and pains and sorrows. And then number two, you can trust Jesus as your great physician because he has authority to heal people from their chronic issues. And then third, he has authority to heal people from their pains and sorrows. So let's start with the first one. The first motivating reason that you, not someone else, you, where the word lands on you, why you can trust Jesus as your great physician. Here's why. Here's the first one. He welcomes people who have chronic issues and pains and sorrows. 
Where do we see that? We see that in, the, in, in verses 21 through 25. Jesus, consider this, has just landed on the shore of the Sea of Galilee on the northwestern side. Remember, he was healing the, the crazy demon dude on the other side, southeastern side. And, and before that, what was he doing? He was calming the wind and the sea, right? Then he heals the, the crazy dude, right? And then he, then he gets to the, to the northwestern side of the sea where he actually lives during his earthly ministry in a place called Capernaum. There's probably like 300 people there, okay, uh, total in this town. Don't picture it like a big city. This was a, a little town. And he arrives on the shore, and, and, and a, a huge crowd is waiting for him. A big crowd of people waiting for Jesus. He's with his disciples. He gets out of the boat, right? And I want you to notice in verse 22 that, that there's this guy by the name of Jairus who emerges from the crowd. And this guy's a synagogue uh, president. There were several of those in, the, in Capernaum. Don't, don't picture it like the president of the United States. This guy was just like, he was like the deacon of that local synagogue, right? He took care of the basic maintenance that was going on, and he also uh, got Sunday service stuff. Well, Saturday, if you are a, a Jew and you were worshiping on the Sabbath, right? So he would get uh, that going, like, you know, who's preaching, you know, who's going to read the, 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 uh, the, the reading of the law that day and the prophets, and, uh, and then who's going to give the word, right? That's what, that's what a synagogue president did. So people knew him in Capernaum. Do you hear, you hear me, saints? People knew this guy, okay? And while it may look like, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, we read the Gospels and people are jumping out and saying, Jesus, heal me and stuff like that. And that's just what this guy's doing. But don't go, don't, don't, don't make the mistake of reading into the text. This was crazy for this guy to do this. Because, you see, there were, there were a lot of religious and political reasons why uh, uh, it's speculated that he hadn't gone after Jesus yet. Because this guy was a guy that was, was in worship every week. He was thinking of, of worship every week. So you could reason that, like, of course this guy is cool with Jesus, right? Not so, though. Because religious reasons, think about this. There were religious experts in the town, right? And they were irritated with Jesus because he was constantly doing stuff that seemed to be against the Torah, the law. And, and so there were also political reasons why he likely didn't go after Jesus. Um, there, were, there was a lot of whispering, a lot of murmuring around, around town. Like, there's this young prophet who is doing this kingdom movement, right? And he's doing it through miraculous displays of power. Like, what if this got back to, to Herod Antipas, who ruled over Galilee, Right? This would be like, what if, what if this got back to the mayor of Detroit, that somebody was doing stuff like this? Like, is power, gonna, are people going to start bending towards Jesus? Because think about this, Herod Antipas called himself the king of the Jews. You see? And so there's another king in town, 
And he seems to be doing stuff that Isaiah was talking about. And Ezekiel was, right? All the prophets. And so I don't want to belabor this point. This was crazy. He wasn't going to just pop out and go after Jesus because he's thinking to himself, this Jesus guy, I'll just stay back for a while because he seems to be landing the spotlight on Capernaum for all the wrong reasons. Religious reasons, political reasons. But would you notice verse 22? Look at verse 22. Jairus, seeing Jesus, fell to Jesus' feet and pleaded with him, saying, My daughter is going to die. My daughter is going to die. Please come lay your hands on her. Rescue her and let her live. What changed? Desperation. Like his daughter was dying. Before, it was like, don't need Jesus. Stay my distance. It's smarter that way. Daughter dying. Shoot, I think I need Jesus now, right? And so he falls down at Jesus' feet, and he begs him to come and lay his hands on his dying daughter. And look at verse 24. Jesus welcomed him. He agreed. Well, how do we know that? Because he starts journeying with Jairus to Jairus' house where his daughter is dying to lay his hands on her and heal her. He welcomed this distraught father who had a dying daughter who was only 12 years old. This guy knew pain and sorrow. But then look at verse 25. All of the sudden, we get all fixed on Jairus, and boom, it's like we throw that story out. This is how Mark does sometimes. Throw that story out, and all of a sudden, we're introduced to this unnamed woman with a chronic issue of blood. And if you move along a little bit, we'll do that in a moment. She approaches Jesus. If, if, if Jairus is the well-to-do, this is the social outcast. Approaching Jesus, not in public, like right in front of him, but she creeps up behind him. And do you know what? Jesus welcomes her too. Because Jesus welcomes all kinds of people. The rich guy and the social outcast. Right? The local deacon, right? Or pastor. The guy who's constantly in the word and, and in charge of, of, of Sunday worship and all of this, right? Needs Jesus. And so does the social outcast who might be sleeping on our steps one morning, right? So what I want you to see here, or rather what Mark wants you to see here, is that you can trust Jesus as your great physician because he welcomes people like you and me. He welcomes people like you and me. What, what, what kind of people are you and I? We're people who suffer from chronic issues and pains and sorrows because that's what kind of world we live in. A beautiful world, but a broken world, right? And so before we move along, I just want that to be fixed because that'll help you as we move along to see how this story unfolds. The second thing I want you to see 
or rather the second motivating reason that you can trust Jesus as your great physician is because not only does he welcome people with chronic issues and pains and sorrows, but he has authority to heal people with chronic issues. We'll follow that with he has authority to heal people with pains and sorrows as well. But notice Jesus' authority to heal people with chronic issues. We see that in verses 25 through 34. Imagine this. Imagine that you are in an ambulance, okay? You're being rushed to the hospital. I don't know what's wrong with you. You don't even know what's wrong with you. But you're, you're being rushed to the hospital, okay? 911's been called. Paramedics have showed up. You're being, you're being rushed to the hospital. Dude's doing like 75, right? You're going to the hospital. Where's the local hospital here? Where, where is it? Downtown? Okay. So in Memphis, we would have said, man, you're being rushed to the med, right? Which was probably a gunshot or something. But you're being rushed to the hospital. And all of a sudden, <coughs> kids, the ambulance stops. All the paramedics get out. They leave you there on the stretcher, and they start paying attention to some dude on the side of the road. That's, that's what's happening here. Jairus, Jesus, heal my daughter. Heal my daughter. Okay, coming with you. Jesus goes to a different patient. You ever feel like God's indifferent to you? Like, 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 like God, I thought we were cool. I thought you were in this with me, and now all of a sudden he seems like gone, indifferent maybe, unconcerned. Likely, Jairus is, is like shaking. Like, what are you doing? Like, I thought you were coming. You ever feel like that with God? God, I don't even know what to pray right now. That was Jairus. This was crazy. I want you to consider, though, that this, this woman for a minute, this woman with the chronic issue of blood, Consider five details about her. Number one, her issue was chronic because it was, number one, biologically dehumanizing. Biologically dehumanizing. This was a woman in a male-dominated Jewish uh, context that fit within a larger Greco-Roman male context. So at best, she was probably considered second class, and at worst, just a baby maker. Just, just what is your job? Just keep the line going. That's what a woman, a woman had no right to advocate for herself. And Jesus noticed her. So one, she was biologically dehumanized. That's one reason she had a, we could say, chronic issue. What else made her issue chronic? It was physically devastating. Sometimes we strip it down to just she had a physical ailment. She did have a physical ailment. 
It was physically devastating. There were other reasons too, but consider, she had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Like, we don't know what exactly um, her internal bleeding issue was. So we'll just assume, for whatever reason, God doesn't want us to know. Why? Because he wants this text to apply to everyone, even if your issue is not a physical blood issue this morning. Maybe it's just spiritual. Right? Maybe your, the picture of the woman's physical condition is a good picture of your spiritual condition. We'll leave that for you to decide. But this woman's chronic issue was biologically dehumanizing. It was also physically devastating. But notice it was also terribly disappointing. Look at the second half. Uh, I'm sorry, the first half of verse 26. She suffered much under many physicians. In other words, she sought the help of many doctors in the day. And this wasn't the day and age of modern medicine like today, right? With advanced procedures and all of this stuff, right? But she sought the help of doctors, but none could heal her. In fact, if you move along to the second half of verse 26, we're told that she's even worse than before. So she was not only biolog uh, bi uh, biologically dehumanized, and not only was her situation physically devastating, but it was terribly disappointing. Do you know what it's like to be terribly disappointed? Don't get so restricted. Maybe your issue's not her issue, but it's an issue, right? And you know what it's like to be terribly disappointed. Biologically dehumanizing, physically devastating, terribly disappointing, but that's not it. Her situation was also financially impoverishing. Verse 26 says, She spent all that she had for health care, but still, notice the second half of verse 26, like I just says, said, she was worse off than before. You see, her physical poverty and her financial poverty were married. You see, she spent all she had. Don't like, don't, don't like miss that or, or like, well, that doesn't mean everything. All she had. Just drained her bank account out. And still she was not healed. In fact, she was a target to be exploited by people in positions of power. Not only was she a woman biologically dehumanized, not a lot's changed today, right? With that, maybe we've, maybe we've given a little more, right? But we can see this woman here. As a matter of fact, you can see yourself in her shoes. Treated by society as less than. When all the while, you're an image bearer of the king. Her situation was biologically dehumanizing, physically devastating, terribly disappointing, financially impoverishing. But would you notice this? Her situation was socially ostracizing. But what do I mean by that? 
Leviticus 15, 25 through 31 says that if an Israelite had a discharge of blood of some sort, a, 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 a discharge of blood that, that no stoppage had occurred, they would be cut off from the covenant community. And they couldn't be brought back into covenant community until they were they experienced a stoppage of blood and went through a ritual cleansing. Then they could come back in, be restored, and now worship at the temple. But brothers and sisters, this woman had not stopped bleeding for 12 years. No stoppage of blood in her life. She was completely, get, get this, her issue of blood was cause for her to be ostracized by her own flesh and blood, her family. <laughs> Not just her family, but her friends. Not just her friends, but her, her community. Not just her community, but even her church. She couldn't come to worship because she had a chronic issue. But would you look Look at verse 27. This woman was biologically, physically, emotionally, economically, socially, and spiritually traumatized. She was a social outcast. But look at verse 27. She had heard the reports about Jesus. She heard the reports of what? That Jesus heals social outcasts like her. She heard about Jesus and she gets so excited that verses 28 through 29 tell us, but she's got to be tempered with it too. She can't just go right out in the open and go to Jesus because she's unclean. So she creeps up behind him, okay? Verse 28 through 29 tells us she creeps up behind him and touches him, the hem of his garment. And she reasoned that even if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And notice verse 29. Immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately. Consider three quick details about the healing here of the great physician. Number one, notice that it was intimate. We see that in verses 27 through 29. Notice that it's not, you remember Jairus said, will you come lay your hands on my daughter? But notice in this story, the woman laid her hands on Jesus. <laughs> she, Jesus didn't lay his hands on her, she laid her hands on Jesus, and verse 29 says, she was healed instantly. And verse 30 says that he, Jesus, Felt, she had a discharge of blood. He had a discharge of power that came out of him and healed her right on the spot. You see, healing's intimate. It requires, if you want to be healed, you know what it requires? It requires you to get proximate with Jesus. It requires contact with the king. You see, the healing was intimate, but not only that, notice it was holistic. We see that in verses 30 through 34. She wasn't just healed of a bodily ailment. 
Because notice verse 33, Jesus called her out of the crowd. Now, it's kind of hard to see this in Mark. But when you're, when you're uh, maybe sitting there this afternoon, go to Luke chapter 8 and read through the same sequence, the calming of the sea, the healing of the demoniac, and then this story. And notice how he puts it. Because his Greek is a little bit more nerdy, okay? And, and, but the translators did a great job with it. And why I want to bring that out is, do you remember in the garden when God said, where are you? Did God not know where Adam and Eve were? He knew where they were. He knew who touched him. And if you read that text, it's as if Jesus is staring right at her, but he wants her to know that I'm looking at you with eyes of love. You may be biologically dehumanized, but I love you. You're my image bearer. You, you, may, be, you may have a bad bill of health, but I just healed you instantly. You, your, your life may be terribly disappointing, but I'm here to bring joy. You're financially impoverished. I'm going to make it so that you can enter the workplace again and get a job because who would take her in her issue? She couldn't even function in society. Socially, you're pushed to the side, to the fringes, given the scraps off the dog's plate, right? But I'm going to restore you back into society so you could function as the genuine human being you were created to be, right? So you could not only get a job, but you could participate in the wider life of the community. And you could even go to church. Amen? Amen. So notice this woman was not just healed physically. She was healed biologically, emotionally, socially, economically, spiritually. I mean, we don't know if she was born again that day. Some people think that all the healings in the Gospels were double healings. Maybe. But I think there's, there's a haze here for the purpose of leaving this story open so that we could all read it and find ourselves in an issue where this story applies to us. But if she wasn't born again that day, at least the open door towards saving faith was there, right? She was healed by the king, the great physician. And I just might be over-speculating but I bet she was enticed by the king after that. And I wish we could read the rest of the narrative of her life. And maybe we'll meet her in glory. But she was healed, brothers and sisters. Not only intimately. Not only holistically. But notice the great physician's healing is received by faith. It's received by faith. We see that where? Look at the last half of verse 34. And he said to her, daughter. No, I could do a whole sermon there. Uh, you, you, you're not a daughter. You're a dog in society. Jesus, the Lord of the universe, says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So was she healed by her faith? No, her faith was the channel through which she received God's healing power. You see, 
some of you might be hung up on how much strength, how strong your faith is. Throw that bad theology away because it will always burden you. And get this theology, mustard seed theology. Why does Jesus say faith of a mustard seed? Because that is the smallest seed in his day. And what he's saying is, you don't need a lot of faith. You just need a little bit of the right kind of faith to receive my healing power. And if you just have a little bit of, of, of your own fears and shame, but a little bit of faith, you can come to me mixed with all of it, and I'll heal you and make you whole. I, I don't know. Maybe I came here to preach. I'm not sure. But I just thought I might just encourage you with a word this morning. The healing was intimate. It was holistic, and it was to be received by faith. Why should you trust Jesus as your great physician? Because he welcomes people like you and me who suffer from chronic issues. And he heals us from all of our chronic issues, whatever they are. But not only that, not only that, brothers and sisters, he also has authority. Here's another reason why you should trust him as your great physician. He also has authority to heal people from their pains and sorrows. Notice verse 35, right in the middle of Jesus speaking words of good news over this woman. Good news of of affirming her faith, right? Whatever faith she had. And then confirming, daughter, go and be healed, right? He's speaking over her. But notice verse 35, right in the middle of that. This messenger comes, we don't know his name, and he says, hey, Jairus, right? Wake up, Jairus story coming back in. That's how Mark writes. And Jairus has to be like out of his wits at this moment, right? Because this guy says, your daughter's dead. You were waiting on me. To heal your daughter. Now, your daughter's dead? He gets a bill of bad news right in the middle of this unnamed woman with the issue of blood who was healed, getting a bill of good news. <laughs> Blessing in the midst of suffering, right? But notice, can I tell you something? Bad news has no authority over Jesus' healing power. Jesus wasn't challenged by this. He ordained it to be this way. You know, sometimes we're wondering, why won't you heal me? Why won't you heal my daughter? Why did you let her do this? Or why did, why, why did this happen, God? Why didn't you come through on that? I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you did that. Oh my gosh, I'm in, a, I'm in turmoil. And, and, and I just want you to come quickly, right now. I can't take this anymore. And God says, hang on, (laughs) I'm sovereign. I'm not on a human timetable, I'm on a divine timetable. You see, I want to tell you like Dottie People said, Pastor Chris. Job said, he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. 
He may not come when you... Come on. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. You see, brothers and sisters, I, I don't know what your pains and sorrows are, like whatever you're carrying. But I want to remind you that Jesus may not always come when you call him, but he'll always come right on time. And if J. Iris needed it, somehow you need to know that today. You see, bad news has no authority over Jesus' healing power, but there's a second reflection. Jesus' healing power, here's the good news, it happens to break into and work through the ordinary details of life. Jesus arrives at Jairus' house, but he also arrives at a full-blown funeral. It's all this commotion, right? And notice verse 39, Jesus enters this funeral, and he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. <laughs> Can you imagine if Jesus walked into your funeral? Or the funeral of your loved one? I mean, the expectation that must be filling your heart, right? I want to tell you, I don't know what this day was like because I've never had to be at a funeral of my son or my daughter. But you see, imagine, I'm just imagining someone coming to me Okay, somebody coming out of the blue, not Jesus, just some random person, and saying, Pastor Kevin, Evie's not dead. She's just sleeping. I might smack him across the face at that moment, right? But I want you to see what Jesus does, verse 40. <laughs> he laughed at them. And he said, get out of here. She's not dead. She's sleeping. Verse 41, he takes the parents. He takes Peter, James, and John in there. They're in the room. Consider the scene. He takes the little girl by her hand, and in the common everyday language, which was Aramaic in the day, he says to her, Talitha kumi, which is to say, time to get up, little girl. Miss Edith, it'd be like you saying, Tyreek, time to get up, little boy. <laughs> time to go to school, right? And then he don't get up, what happens? <laughs> Grandma gets on him, right? <laughs> Talitha Kumi. Time to get up, little girl. Verse 42 and 43, and immediately she got up and began walking. And everyone in the room was dumbfounded. And I want you to notice this, brothers and sisters. Why does Jesus say Talitha Kumi? Why does he use everyday language? Because he's the God that happens to break in with all of his power in the ordinary events of life as we know it. And death is a very much part of this 
beautiful but broken creation. And so he wants us to know that he's not the God that is far removed, that sometimes comes in and does cool stuff. He's the God that's right here right now. And he does special things to people like you and me. You see, he breaks in. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, he breaks in. But I know what you're thinking. Maybe you say, you know what? How come he hasn't broke in then? You know? How come he let Roger die of COVID? How, how come, how could he allow my daughter to be murdered? How could you allow that, Lord? Such a thing. How could you allow things like slavery? How could you allow things like misogyny? Just being a just being honest, how could you allow a child to be touched by somebody that wasn't their parents? How could you allow it, Lord? Brothers and sisters, don't be ashamed of questions like this. When you're asking them, you are asking questions of worship because you are agreeing with the holy and just God that the world is not supposed to be this way. And he welcomes you. And do you think people in Jesus' day didn't ask questions like these because there were many women with issues of blood who weren't healed. There were many children who were sick and died. But here's the thing. We want to ask Jesus these questions. Jesus, if you did it once, why didn't you do it twice? Why don't you do it with everyone? And you know, sometimes God lets us go through these question-asking seasons where we ask and ask and ask, and he's so gracious, he allows us to stay there. He doesn't say, come on, what's wrong with you? Believe in me. He's gracious. But I'm so thankful that there's a larger story told throughout the Gospels. Because if you just stop, you miss the bigger story. You see, <clears throat> let me tell you like this. These, these healings here and all the rest of Jesus' healing miracles throughout the Gospels, alongside all the people that maybe weren't healed, if you did that, you'd have to conclude something like this, that Jesus, the great physician, did not come to be a one-man mobile hospital service. Yes, he came to bring healing, but he came to bring healing that went deeper than anything you or I could ask or imagine. My sister took a trip with me one time uh, from Chicago to Utah. And, and it's a 21-hour trip. And I remember it being pitch black. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're winding through the mountains. And I remember the only reason we know 
were alive. And the only reason we could stay on the road is because we saw our headlights flashing off these big signs with arrows pointing in the right direction, pointing towards the final destination, right? All of Jesus's miracles are signposts pointing towards an even greater healing that took place at the cross and through the resurrection. You see, Jesus went through life touching people and being touched by people, becoming purposely unclean. So he could take all of our chronic issues and our pains and sorrows obediently, trusting the Father like we're not able to, all the way to the cross where he stretched out wide on a tree, right? And we say, how could that, how could that be healing? Because that is the greatest act of love ever displayed. The humility of laying down one's life. Jesus didn't have chronic issues. Jesus uh, wasn't, wasn't born into this world uh, with, with pains and sorrows, right? But he was. That's what we want to say, right? Jesus didn't know. He didn't, he, he never, he never uh, strained or struggled. Oh, he strained or struggled, but he never sinned, and he held all of our chronic issues, our pains and sorrows. He held them, he took them all the way to the cross where he was stretched out wide, and he defeated them through the power of his love. And you see, here's the thing. His love is powerful enough to go through all of our pollution and turn our pollution into our wholeness. He can turn your pollution into your healing today. And don't miss this. The power I'm talking to you about is the power, not just of some abstract power. It's the power of God's love. Looking at you in the eyes. And saying, you can touch me. I'll touch you. And healing power goes out from him into you, into you, into you. And then you become a vessel of that healing to your neighbor and your other neighbor and your cousin and your, your, your other family member, your uncle, your father, your mother. You receive healing and you become a vessel of that healing. You know what? You can incarnate the great physician in your friends' lives. God may just want to heal you so that you could be a reflector of the heal in, healer in someone else's life. You see, when Jesus got up on the other side of the grave the third day with new life, he made it through. He was victorious. He made it to the other side. He rose new life. Why? so that anybody who trusts in him and wants that healing and new life can have it. Not just once, not just twice, every day. Union with Jesus. Proximity, intimacy with Jesus equals holistic healing from Jesus. And know this, 
Right now we're in the already but not yet. Which means we can expect to see real foretastes of healing here and now. Real foretastes. But keep, keep this in mind. Those foretastes of healing are all pointing towards an even greater healing called the resurrection. <laughs> when Jesus returns and makes all things new. So right now, we have foretastes of healing, but we also continue to see chronic issues and suffering and, 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 and pains and sorrows. But here's the thing, there's coming a day where God's going to come back and make all things new. And you know what? Sometimes we just need a few glimmers now. Sometimes we just need a few foretastes. We just need to know, God, you're there. You're there in my sorrow. And you're going to be there again one day. Why can you trust him? Because he happens to be the great physician who welcomes people like you and people like me with all of our chronic issues, all of our pains and sorrows, and he heals us. And even, he, even the healing he gives us is sometimes to heal us from the healing he didn't give. And to pick our eyes up and say, hang on, I'm coming. And he heals you from, and he can heal you from all your pains and your sorrows. All you got to do is come with the little faith you have. Reach out. But maybe you say, you know what, I can't reach out. Maybe you're too ashamed and I just want to encourage you, you can creep up behind Jesus too. And you can touch him and see if he won't turn around and say, don't be afraid. Just like he said to J. Iris, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Brothers and sisters, we have a God named Jesus who brings healing and brings healing that brings wholeness that brings hope that brings new life <laughs>